Let's just welcome our first speaker. I think it's Neil, right? Neil. Neil does our worship. Good morning. There's so you know he said I had a we're going to talk on worship and uh, that's a huge huge topic. So I tried to pick just uh, three things to focus on uh, for today. And uh, you know when I first started in ministry. I wanted to understand what worship was. And there's a stark contrast between uh, the world's definition of worship and God's definition of worship. So Merriam-Webster you know, defines it as uh, to honor or respect someone or something as a god. And many ancient cultures worship the sun and moon. And then two is to show respect and love for God or for a god, especially by praying and having religious services. So... That's all fine and dandy until I got into the Word. And you start in the book of Romans, and uh, it's all about all that Christ has done for us. Mm-hmm. All that uh, God's grace and mercy on us. Thank God for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you get to Romans 12, 1 and 2, and God plainly defines what worship is. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking about this the other night. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, and I, I read that, and then I reread it, and then I read it. I probably read that verse about a thousand times. And, uh, you know, I think the church today in America confuses music as worship. And they're very two distinct different things. And, uh, and you can go all through the Bible and they talk about worship and very rarely does it mention music. Mm-hmm. It's all about uh, giving of yourself unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do we worship? You know, worship is a response to God, whether it's in our actions, or whether we're singing, donating our time, you know, whether we're face down on the floor worshiping Him in prayer, uh, in our prayer closets, wherever we may be, but ultimately our worship is a response to an almighty, awesome God. Uh, you know, each day, I've actually got into heated disputes with other worship leaders about uh, Romans 12 and, and uh, as far as living your life in worship. You know, people say it's impossible. I don't think it's impossible. I think it's very difficult. You know, to do all things unto the Lord. It's, you know, you get, you have this wide range of emotions throughout the day, and it's hard to maintain that constant mind uh, in reverence of God. But it can be done, we have to work at it. Um, you know, what does God seek from us? And there's a ton of scriptures in Old Testament and New Testament exactly what God seeks from from his people. And in Psalm uh, 34, 18, the Lord is near to those who have broken, who have a broken heart and save, so, and save such have, have a contrite spirit. And then uh, Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. And these, O oh God, you will not despise. So what God seeks is your heart. What's going on within you? Um, 
outward show, but ultimately God understands completely what's going on within your heart. And, uh, and he wants a heart that's broken for him. You know, I always look at uh, King David, a man after God's own heart, who was a murderer and adulterer, you know, just really wrecked things in his life. I mean, lost his own kingdom to his son. I mean, God turned his life into a train wreck. But he ultimately came back into the Lord. And, uh, and God blessed him for it because God knew the nature of David's heart, which was to seek God. And it was that way from the time he was a young boy. You know, I go through and I try to read uh, a lot of books on worship. And um, Matt Redman, I know all of you know who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, incredible worship leader, incredible songwriter. And, and uh, there's a, I don't know if y'all know the story about his church um, in England where they, people kept, after he got famous, people by the thousands would come into this church just because they wanted to see Matt Redman. So it was a, Matt Redman and the pastor there, have you heard the story? Mm-hmm. Matt Redman and the pastor there got together and said, you know what, we're not going to do music. We're going to worship. Mm-hmm. And they shut down the whole music ministry for like two or three months. Wow. And then you found out who was there for Christ. Wow. And which was, a, I mean, that's a pretty radical thing to do. You know, uh, most churches today, you want to pack every seat. And, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, we had a topic we were talking about the other day. We'd rather have a church a mile deep and an inch wide than a mile wide and an inch deep. And uh, so, A.W. Tozer said what the church needs today is restoration of the vision of the Most High God. And you can find several examples of that in the Bible. Uh, In Daniel 10.15, Daniel sees the appearance of the Lord whose face shines like lightning and whose eyes are blazed like flaming torches. And we've been talking quite a bit about, you know, the the eyes of God. And uh, in his reaction to that, Daniel's reaction to that was, he bowed with his face toward the ground, and he was speechless. I mean, here he is standing before the Almighty. You know, and sometimes I think those blazing eyes of God, I mean, that's the blazing eyes of righteousness that sees right through to your soul, understands everything within you. I mean, what, what choice would you have at that moment just to fall down before God? In Revelation, it's a very similar encounter when the Apostle John encounters Jesus whose eyes blaze like fire and a face is shining like the sun in all its brilliance. I mean, he's overwhelmed and falls to the ground in reverence and fear. And I think that's a pretty healthy fear when standing before the creator of all the universe. Amen? Mm-hmm. Amen. In Ezekiel 1.28, you know, Ezekiel saw the likeness of the Lord and fell face down. So, we go through example after example of, of uh, worship outward uh, response of an inward reaction Uh, and none of it had anything to do with music I really wish the church today would get a grip on that alone to understand that the entire service is worship when we wake up in the morning we should be in worship we should pray that's how we should start our day the church service from the time we walk through the door to the time we leave we should be in worship and uh I know it's semantics, but I, I almost hate it. I almost hate the song set being called the worship service. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have yeah. the whole service be the worship service because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's meeting one another, whether it's uh, singing unto the Lord and praising His name, 
whether it's the word being spoken. It's all worship. So, and the uh, next bullet, bullet point I want to talk about is uh, worship leadership. And uh, this has been a, been on a huge learning curve for <laughs> for uh, yeah, for several for the last couple of years. You know, I've been saved for six years and been doing this for nearly four of those. And uh, so I got on a really fast track and a huge learning curve. So I've tried to plug into as many people as I could. I found a mentor uh, to help me, to, you know, get my mind wrapped around exactly what it meant to worship and to lead worship. More importantly, uh, it's an awkward, it's an awkward place to be because you're seen. You have to be seen, but you don't want to be seen. Mm -hmm. And it is a conundrum <laughs> because, uh, I mean, you want to, you want to encourage, you want to take the congregation and point them upwards. Mm -hmm. You don't want to here. You want it up here. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to do. And um, and it's easy for a lot of worship leaders to let it go to their head. They become rock stars instead of worship leaders. Mm -hmm. And um, and I've seen it personally. You know, ego I mean, you can't walk through the door. So <laughs> um, you have to be very careful. And you know, we talked a lot the last couple of days about, you know, it's healthy to ask yourself, why am I doing this who am I doing it for? Because you get to, you know, and I think those are healthy questions to ask yourself from time to time, but just to keep yourself in check, mm -hmm. so you fully understand, you know, it's not about me. It's about what God's doing through me, and it's all about Him. <clears throat> so, you know, when we look at our congregation today, the two people that are seen the most in the church are the pastor and the worship leader. The worship leader is not, in my opinion, the lead worshiper of the church. The lead worshiper of the church is the pastor, and if he's not engaged. That's a horrible, horrible example for the congregation. I've seen some churches where the pastor doesn't even come out until after the music set's done. And that drives me insane. I don't know how pastors can even do that because for me, personally, not even being a, a worship leader, but just me personally, the music itself, you know, it opens your heart to the Holy Spirit to work within you. It softens all those things that have been beating the mess out of you all week. It takes your mind off of it and, uh, and helps you to focus directly on God and what in His presence. And um, so, as far as you know, the worship pastor and the worship uh, and the uh, lead pastor of the church, they have to be on the same page. Uh, pastor has to have a clear vision for the church, and we've talked pretty extensively about vision, and uh, which is awesome. And uh, you know, if the pastor and the worship leader cannot get aligned, then that worship leader is not the right worship leader for that church. It is, you know, you may be able to cover up and hide discord between the pastor and the worship leader for a little while, but ultimately it's going to be obvious to the congregation. So those two have to be on the same page. I mean, it's, it's paramount. It's the mutual responsibility of both to maintain that relationship built on trust and respect, and if you don't trust one another, and don't respect one another, I mean, it's going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. Trust takes time. I mean, he has to trust me that I'm going to pick, you know, select music that's going to correspond with his message, and then mostly it's just going to honor and glorify God. And you know, and then likewise, I have to trust that he's going to uh, preach God's word and uh, minister to the, to the people as God would have him do it. Mm -hmm. So, but we have to work together all the time. 
And you know, way in a lot of ways, it's like marriage. You know, it's pretty true. <laughs> I mean, truly, because uh, you know, in our marriage, you have a husband and wife, and you want to keep it Christ-centered. In the church environment, we want to have the pastor, the worship leader, and keep it Christ-centered. And um, things can go haywire really fast. I've, I've seen it done, and uh, it's not pretty. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, Mark uh, three twenty-five. If a house is divided against itself, the house cannot stand. So again, it's just very important that the worship leader and the pastor are on the same page. Um, team building, building a new worship team from scratch. Uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a little, and it's, it takes lots of patience, and uh, and you get all kinds of people, and. Uh, but the biggest thing as far as the worship leader and even the lead pastor of the church, be who you want your people to be. That's as simple as that. Be the example for them. If you want them to be prepared every week, you be prepared every week. Uh, if you want them to practice every week, you practice every week. Uh, you know, be that example to them. And then hold them accountable. Uh, growth comes from building relationships. Uh, you have to invest time with your people. Um, you know, we, it's just amazing to me. We, you know, we started here a few weeks ago, and truly, all I have left to to complete our team is a bass player. And I'm, I'm fixing to train one at home to be a bass player. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's just it's truly amazing to see God work and work just amazingly fast within our own ministry here, and. Uh, but if you don't build those uh, foundational relationships with the people and you just show up on Sunday and say, hey, let's play, you know, what, what your team members are going to recognize the most is that you value them. Not their playing ability, not their uh, commitment to show up, but just simply that you value them, you know, who they, you value who they are. And, uh, and I think overall you'll, you'll find that, uh, that dedication and, and uh, commitment that you want. Uh, but those things happen over time. It's not right away. You have to build those, and it has to be intentional. Mm -hmm. uh, conflict within your teams—it's always fun, <laughs> and it does happen. But there's a but a conflict to me is a, a very healthy thing, uh, you know, because we're not always going to get along, and we're not always going to agree. But we can agreeably agree to disagree. And I know that's a, a mouthful there, but it, but it's true. We don't we don't have to act like morons. I mean, we, <laughs> we can actually, uh, you know, work together. There has to be a point in which, you know, sometimes I ask myself the question: Is it going to matter 20 years from now? Yeah. That answer is no. Just move on. Yeah. Um, you know, I have building a uh, worship team is is. Uh, you know, it's tough. You know, you have uh, volunteer players, and in some places you have the ability to pay musicians. And uh, and then I've had a team that was paid and volunteer mixed, and that's fun. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, uh, but I guess the biggest thing, again, there is open dialogue and communication within the whole team. I mean, we'd have team meetings, and for instance, for the last team we had that I was in, we um, sat the whole team down, and we had everyone but a lead guitarist. And um, 
So, um, you know, I brought it before the team and said, hey, we'd like, I'd like to just pay a guitar so we'd have one to complete the team because it's a huge dynamic and a huge difference in the sound, overall sound. And, um, and response in the congregation, just having that extra layer of uh, music. You know, and the team was all on board and receptive to it, and I didn't catch any flack, which was awesome. But I think as long as you have that open dialogue and open communication, you're praying for your team, your team prays together, that's really, really important. And, um, um, and you're there for your team. And it's not only just the worship team, I mean the team has the church, the church leadership. So on, um, you need to set clear, expe clear expectations for your team. And, uh, oh, back to conflict, one other thing is, uh, one of the best ways I've found to mitigate conflict is uh, ask questions. Don't get on the defensive. And I have a hard time sometimes remembering this at home. My wife's probably, um, probably going to be talking to me later. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, but honestly, though, the best way to defuse somebody that's agitated or, or just angry with you is to ask questions. Because all that does in the first place is just validate their emotion and validate them. So, and that usually diffuses the whole thing. And then you can get down to what the issue is. You just got to get past the emotional part. So, the, you know, generally, you just ask questions, validate that they feel a certain way, you understand where they're coming from, and then you can actually get to the problem, which is usually very minor. It's always the emotional part that's the problem to deal with. So, set expectations for your uh, for your team. And on Psalm 33, 3, it says, Sing to him a new song and play skillfully with a shout of joy. And there's three or four other songs that actually say play with skill. And uh, so it's a very, to me, it's very, very important business to, to lead worship for, for the Lord. And uh, you should take it very seriously. Um, that being said, when you have younger players that are just learning and you want to, get them engaged and get them plugged in you have to give them a little bit of leeway to, to make errors because I still make a ton of errors so. <laughs> uh, but um, even when even in, we've had a couple of younger people that play with us and when they mess up you know we just tell them just tell them keep playing just play right through it yeah. and um, it's kind of hard to do when you're playing by yourself like this morning because <laughs> no, there's nothing to cover you up so. <laughs> but uh but I mean, when you have a whole team together, you, you can get away with a lot of mistakes. And as long as you don't stop, you can just play through and, and you recover and, it, and it's fine. Uh, so make sure you set clear expectations. You want your team, and the best way to set those expectations again is to be who you want your team to be. Um, worship God. I know that's kind of funny coming from, from a... Uh, worship pastor or worship leader and uh, but ultimately we can turn worship and the music into an idol and you worship it instead of God yeah. and it's easy to do because you can get wrapped up in the music and you just that's the other conundrum versus being a worship leader because you're in front and you have to be seen what you don't want to be seen the second is you love music you wouldn't be doing it in the first place, you know. And uh, so you have to love music, but at the same time, you have to keep your priorities in line where 
and uh, and fully understand that you're worship you're using that as a tool to worship God and not worshiping the tool. The other thing it's hard to do, especially when you have a low voice like mine and trying to find songs to get in that range that everyone can sing in, is choosing singable songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is hard to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as a worship leader, I mean, you want to pick songs that the congregation can sing and, and vocalize and, and get engaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the last one I have on worship leadership <clears throat> is stay in the Word and spend time with God. If your prayer life stinks, the rest of it's going to stink. <laughs> that's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, my, when things would fall off the rails for me, I'd be calling my mentor and I'd be whining and complaining. And the first thing he'd ask would be like, oh, how's your prayer life? And I'd call you later. <laughs> <laughs> so, honestly, though, you have to keep this in mind before this will work. So make sure you, you uh, and no matter what kind of leader you are in the church, the pastor, associate pastor, worship leader, a volu- any volunteer, nurseries, School worker, Sunday school teacher it doesn't matter. Keep your keep your vertical relationship with God first, and then everything else. The vast majority of the time will fall into place. Mm-hmm.